Hi there, everyone. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack, and we're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Be right with you. I'm I'm so glad you're here with me tonight. I have a very special guest. Um, His name is Landis Wade, and we met over email just um, last week, I think. Um, Landis is, he he calls himself a recovering attorney, which cracks me up. Um, I I kind of understand that. And um, (laughs) he lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. He is also a fiction writer. He has um, a, a neat little trio of books. Uh, that we're going to be talking about. I'll tell you about them uh, once we get started. But but let me give you a little bit of information about Landis first. Um, he is a what he calls a Davidson Wildcat. I don't know what that means. We'll find out. And a graduate of Wake Forest University School of Law, where he met his wife, who was also a classmate. He's been practicing law for 34 years and fly fishing for four years. He says both take a lot of practice and he's still practicing, which I love. His two dogs were rescues and named after Lori and Gus from Lonesome Dove. That ought to tell you what he likes to read. Um, He likes reading, sports, travel, outdoor activities. He said he was motivated maybe because his grandfather was a sports writer, which I find fascinating. his, he and his son took an outdoor adventure together. They went backpacking in Yosemite, and he survived, he's proud to say. Um, I am thrilled to welcome my new colleague in the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, Wade Landis, who also hosts the Charlotte Readers Podcast. Welcome, Landis. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, Pam, thank you so much for having me. I'm just, uh, I'm so glad to be a part of this uh, new network and find other like-minded uh, people and hosts who love books and love talking about them. Oh, boy, you've landed in the right spot. Um, I I have the big question I wanted to ask you was, uh, I was doing my show notes, and it in your notes you said you are a native Charlottian or charlatan I don't even know how to pronounce that word, but Spellcheck said it's wrong. So what do you call yourself when you're a native of Charlotte? Well, I, I think it, I think it's charlatan, but I guess I'll have to go Spellcheck that now to see, uh, or maybe check with the cha- Chamber of Commerce or something. Yes. So I just, you know, that's why I said native of Charlotte. It just said, was easier for my um, blonde Polish mouth to say. So... Um, yeah. I want to talk to you first about your love of reading. You mention often in in bio pieces that I've read about you that your grandfather was a sports writer. Did is that where you became interested in books and writing? So, it, yeah, my grandfather was a uh, sports writer for the uh, Charlotte Observer in the 1930s and, uh, and early 40s and uh, well before my time, but when I was young in the uh, 60s, he died young, but he had that legacy, and I read some of his short work, and he was one of these uh, writers, uh, one of these writers that, you know, you see these columnists that just have a way of telling a good personal story, and so I was, you know, in, in high school, I, I think I was on the, the the staff of the newspaper, and, you know, what job did I pick? Well, I was going to be the sports writer and the sports editor, so I had fun doing that, uh, even though I was also playing sports at the time. 
And then I went off to college, and uh, you asked, you said something about earlier, what's the Davidson Wildcat? Well, Davidson College, uh, their their mascot is the Wildcat. So I went to Davidson College and played football there and had a idea maybe I would go into journalism, and then I decided instead to go to law school. I, I want to say to you that that's not an unusual thing that I hear. Many um, attorneys turn writers have started off in journalism, as did my brother, who was a journalism, a broadcast journalism major, and ended up in law school and now practices um, corporate litigation. So <clears throat> I understand the inclination to go from one to the other. Um, like you, he was also on the newspaper in high school, as was I, and um, he was part of Law Review. So you know, I understand that you get some of your writing chops from from being on a newspaper, going into journalism, and then writing the amount of writing you do as an attorney. So how yeah, does that I've experience – yeah, how does that inform your writing? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Pam. And it's funny, I have authors uh, on the show sometimes who are lawyers – and I joke with them that we have a quota every season for how many lawyers I'll have on the show. Uh, and we talk about that issue, and I ask those lawyers the same question that uh, you've asked me. I think that uh, you know, being a lawyer, you do a lot of writing. It, it requires discipline. It's not the kind of writing, of course, that uh, people who read books are going to want to uh, you know, latch on to. Um, although, uh, if you're going to be a good lawyer and a good writer, and you're going to convince uh, judges to – rule your way, you've got to recognize that uh, you know, being persuasive and telling a good story is an important part of being a writer as a, as a lawyer. But uh, So I think, you know, having that background, that experience, uh, like I, I was on Law Review as well, and I did moot court, and I did all those things, and I wrote briefs right. over the years. And So I think having that background and that training was, was really good, but I joke with people that I have to, when I first started writing fiction and decided I was going to do it, I had to sort of unteach myself a few things to be able to write uh, fiction, to you know, to write more characters, and to think uh, a little bit uh, broader than just uh, the brief. But it does teach you kind of like journalism does, and I've had journalism authors on the show too, that is those who've had that background. I think the fact that they bring to the table sort of an economy of words sometimes really helps in the writing. Yep, yep. I agree with you. The who, the five W's and an H, you know, so you have to get all that down uh, and nail it in the lead. And if you don't have that information, your story is kind of, you know, kaput. You have a minimum amount of column inches to write. And the same way in your legal briefs, it seems to me you just, it's just the facts, ma'am. When you start writing fiction, you have to remember to, like, uh, instead of just drawing the lines, you've got to color inside them also and, and make it come to life, correct? That is absolutely correct, uh, and I learned that through the editorial process when I was <laughs> writing my books. <laughs> so you – because you – well, let me ask you this. Let's talk about your books. Um, you've written three what I, I think are mysteries. You wrote The Christmas Heist the Legally Binding Christmas, and the Christmas Redemption. And you call them courtroom, courtroom adventures. So, And I kind of like that. Um, when you decided to start writing fiction writing, because we'll get to your podcast in a little bit, but when you decided to start fiction writing, um, 
did you start with a character in mind or did you start with an idea like a plot or a storyline? Well, I wish I could, uh, you know, sound like an author that knew what they were doing when they got started, but I, I really got started really by accident. I was, uh, at that time of year in my law practice in my mid-50s, and uh, it was that time of year between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Actually, it was Thanksgiving weekend. And I would always, over the years, do some writing, you know, when I got some downtime because the courts are not as busy during the holidays. And I'd write a little bit, and then I'd put it away and never get back to it. And that particular Thanksgiving, uh, I was messing around with a little story I was writing. I think it was some kind of a salt case or something. And my wife in the other room had... uh, Miracle on 34th Street playing, uh, which mm-hmm. she watches every Christmas afternoon. And they came to that scene, you know, where the lawyer proves that the, he's the one and only Santa Claus. And right. I started laughing again. And, and I thought, well, I wonder if I could take this little story I started and turn it into kind of a Christmas mystery. And then I said, and well, we're going to have to bring it up to date. We're going to have to bring some updated technology into it. And that's when I got the idea to just, and I just sat down and just started writing as if I was going to court every day. Cause that first book really is shorter and it's set entirely in the courtroom. The others branched out a little bit, but I just started writing these courtroom scenes and I was amazed. And I've heard people talk about this later, but I was amazed at how these characters were leading me to answers that I didn't know they were going to lead me to. How fun. <laughs> That was so much fun. In fact, I'd come home at night and my wife would say, and so from this period of Thanksgiving until Christmas Eve, I wrote this first book and I would come home every night after work. I would write for about four or five hours. But when I come in the door, she'd say, well, where are you going? And I said, well, I'm going to my study to find out what happens next. Next. Oh, how wonderful. <laughs> that is a, that's a, must be a fun thing. May I assume that you wrote maybe short stories or other kind of fiction prior to the book? Well, you could, but you'd be wrong because I did. Wow. I never finished them and never, never published them. Oh. I was really, I, I was so focused on my law practice. And also I was coaching uh, Little League Baseball for 20 years. I was the uh, commissioner of Pop Warner Football in Charlotte for 11 years. I had a lot of things I was doing that was in the community and uh, my law practice. So, Writing was having to take a back seat. It was one of these things I always wanted to do, but really until my mid-50s, until the kids were out of school and gone, until I wasn't coaching anymore, I actually looked for something else to do, and this was something else I found to do. Interesting. Um, I, I know you're a reader. You love to read. What is your first memory of reading, and do you remember what it was? You know, it's interesting. We were having a, I had a conversation with my mother the other night about that. And uh, I said, Mom, what was the first book I read? Because I was trying to remember all the way back. And of course, if you throw out C, C. Jane Run and C. Spot Run and all that kind of right, thing, and, and right, you, get beyond, right. you get beyond that. I think I was, I have to admit, I think I was reading the sports pages uh, more than anything and the box scores. And, you know, I was playing sports Excellent. and I was into all that activity. But, it, you know, I, I was pretty much a. Uh, you know, if I picked up a book and it looked kind of interesting to read, I, I would read it. Uh, and it's kind of how I've developed over time. I just love variety and I love different things to read. And that's why I podcast and enjoy the variety mm-hmm. that we do there. But I, I really don't have a, a first memory. I, I did read 
um, some World War II uh, novels. I read some, a bunch of westerns. Louis Lamour was one of my favorites, and uh, I read a lot of a lot of him. And uh, like, like you mentioned, Larry McMurtry, I loved Lonesome Dove. That was a great book, and went and named my two rescue dogs after characters uh, in that book. Nothing wrong and with so that. I, I, no, nothing wrong with that. And uh, I read a lot of uh, British naval history too. The late uh, 1700s, uh, Forrester and some of those uh, series books. Um, and then just, you know, a whole variety. The early on is probably more Westerns and beach reads and things had time to work in, you know, between all the other things I was doing. Sounds like fun. Um, I, I can remember the first things I read were the sides of cereal boxes or anything that had print on it. I was sitting at breakfast and um, – and also, because I went to a parochial school, we had to read everything. So I wasn't in love with books until I noticed that my mom would get, I don't know if you remember this, the old um, Reader's Digest uh, compressed yes. books. You know, they had them all. Yeah. There was like three, bo- three books to a book. And so she had this yeah. book of the month club that she'd get those. And I would read them. I had no idea what, what, what was going on because I was way too young. But it was fascinating to me. So I kind of got hooked on Agatha Christie at a very young age. And um, and then I realized she wrote over 100 books. And so I, I went and bought – at the time, you could buy them like on a spinning rack for about 25 cents a piece. So I, I looked up all of her books in order, and then I bought all the books in order and read them. Uh-huh. Cause I just, cause I didn't know you couldn't, you could not read her books out of order. I didn't realize they weren't a serialized <laughs> character, even though I knew there were multiple characters, but a lot of fun. So, and I understand the desire to read everything, anything that has print, I want to read it. Um, I don't necessarily like all genres. Unlike you, I, I'm not a fan of horror. It scares me too much. I'm a wuss. And I'm not real big on historicals unless it has something to do with fantasy. So, uh, so interesting how that is, you know, someone, uh, you have, I'm assuming you have a nice big book collection yourself. I, I do have a big book collection. In fact, the book collection is getting so big, uh, because of the podcast that we actually opened a library at the, uh, uh at the co-working space I was working in. And I basically gave them about 750 books to put in the library so that people can wow. come, come use them. And, uh, I've still got a bunch upstairs. I was going through recently. We collect books, and and uh, yeah, it's and, and you know the great thing about it is I don't have such a great memory. I can go back and read those books again and still enjoy them. You and me both. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> and me both. Someone mentioned uh, a book, and I said I think I've read it 150 times. You know, and it's, yeah. the interesting thing about that is, don't you always get something new from it when you go back and reread it? Yeah, um, I do. Although my wife jokes with me about some of the westerns, I'll pick one up again. She'll say, "Well, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen in that book. He's going to ride into town. The school mom's going to be in trouble. The bad guy's going to come try to get her. He's going to save her, and he's going to get on his horse and ride out of town." And I never quite understood over time why did they always ride out of town? Because you know, <laughs> they have the good-looking school mom right there, you know. <laughs> but she was right most of the time. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> So all of this loving of books, you have a very interesting writers community in Charlotte and and Raleigh. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was in Raleigh a few years ago for BoucherCon, which is the World Mystery 
convention. And um, I hadn't been to North Carolina in quite a while. My family and I used to vacation there all the time when I was growing up. Um, And it's a great state. But you have a very incredible, talented group of writers in North Carolina. So let's talk about the Charlotte Readers podcast and how you decided to do that and how you choose your guests. Yeah, so just to pick up on what you just said, I agree with you wholeheartedly. North Carolina is sometimes referred to as the writingest state, and uh, that's the sort of tagline that the North Carolina Writers Network uses, which is an organization that uh, a lot of writers are members of. And then Charlotte has the Charlotte Writers Club, which is about 98 years old, and also a group called Charlotte Center for Literary Arts, where all these authors and writers are coming together to share information and talents and take courses. And I was actually, um, so I'd written these three, speaking of the podcast and how I got to it, I'd written these three books. Um, I'd sort of gotten to writing the books because I was struggling a little bit in my law practice with being, enjoying what I was doing. I mean, I enjoyed going to court. I enjoyed that. But all the other things I wasn't. And I was really wanted to write about conflict more than experience it on a daily basis. So I was writing I was enjoying it with the first one, with the sequel, with the the third one for the trilogy. And I'm about ready to say, okay, I'm about to be 61. I want to do something creative in my 60s and not necessarily just represent big banks and big companies and all this kind of thing. And so, but I was thinking, I don't want to just get behind a computer screen and do just that. And I thought, what can I do that could, keep me connected to the writing community. And I was actually having my back worked on by my massage therapist. And she was from, so one time she'd been in uh, Sarah Barber, shout out to her. She, she, one time she was a disc jockey in Austin, Texas. And I was saying, hey, you know, tell me about radio podcasting. And she went with me and I said, I want to try this. So I just, I grabbed somebody from my critique group and I said, you're coming with me to be on the show that I'm going to start. And we recorded it. And I thought I had lost the audio. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I, I joked that uh, I didn't know the difference between a mixing, you know, bowl and a mixing board. And uh-huh. my wife says I don't even know what a mix. My wife says I don't even know what a mixing bowl is. So, so I had this idea, <laughs> you know, that I want to do something that will engage me with authors. And at the same time, this is this is my little secret about this. I was thinking about. Should I go back and get a MFA? Should I go back and do this? And I was thinking, now I know I'm going to get an education another way. I'm going to actually take a bunch of courses. I'm going to start a podcast, and I'm going to interview authors that know a whole lot more about writing than I do, and I'm going to learn through that process. Plus, I'm going to enjoy it because I'm going to have them read their work and talk about it. But the first thing I did was I investigated whether there was something else like that, you know, kind of around where I was, and you know, there are, radio, there are a few radio shows, but they would only have authors on from time to time. We have so many authors uh-huh. in North and South Carolina. I thought, well, yeah, okay, th- this might work. And I looked farther, and, you know, there are different podcasts where some are just crafts, some are just conversations, some are just uh, reading the work. And I thought, well, I'll blend it together, and I'll have them reading some of their work. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the book. We'll do their writing life. And I'll get to ask a bunch of questions and and have fun doing it. So that was sort of the impetus. I just had kind of a trial run 
with a couple of months left in my law practice before I retired with this season one where I had 11 people that said they would do it. And uh, after I did that and had a good time doing it, when I retired, I started doing it uh, full-time with the co-working community. And in that first year, I had a Tuesday show. And then uh, you know, thinking I didn't have enough to do, I added a second show in 2020. And uh, now I'm just trying to figure out how to find time to write. Because as you know, Pam, <laughs> it takes time. <laughs> It, it takes time for a lot of things. I can't imagine being a writer and a podcaster. Um, you know, I, I'm certainly no writer, but I do want my reading time too. So I understand. It's it's a juggling act. So, um, right. but I've listened to your podcast and they're fabulous. So, um, have you had? And you don't have to say yes or no. Have you had? someone that just blew your socks off that was so good you hope they come back and talk to you again fortunate to have a lot of authors like that and what's really great about it is that it's not necessarily someone that is going to be at the top of the new york times bestseller list i mean i feature emerging authors and and authors that i have had some new york times bestselling authors on there but uh you know we do a lot of things and we do short stories we do uh, memoir and essay, we do children's books, we do novels, we do, you know, some genre stuff and some humor and some some different things. But, yeah, I have been really, um, really pleased with the authors who have appeared on Charlotte Ruger's podcast. It's been a joy for me to, to host them and to have them uh, read and share their work. And uh, it it's really hard because I've done it now for like 20 months and I just counted up for this. I've had about 145 authors that I've interviewed on, on 126 shows that have released and I've already interviewed another 20 that are going to come out in the fall. And so it's really hard Pam, when you ask that question, because I've had a lot of good experiences, which, which I'm fortunate to be able to say. Absolutely. So you said at the very beginning of when I asked you about the podcast, you said, well, I thought I learned how to write while I was interviewing these people. So did you figure it out? What have you learned <laughs> from doing your podcast? What have you learned have that you le- didn't know before you started? Oh, gosh, I've, I've, I've learned so much. But one thing I've learned is that you can never stop learning. And uh that, that uh, and I hope I hope all authors take that to heart because uh, even the best are going to learn new things and and I continue to learn uh, things about uh, well I'm going to give you an example I, I was I'm, I'm working on something else right now and I was interviewing an author who's a USA Today bestselling author Daniel Stewart and we were talking about her books and um, you know the way she was doing things and also Megan Miranda who wrote this book and they were using different techniques and one of the techniques that Megan used was um, rather than flashing back and forth, she added some historical markers throughout, uh, such as transcripts uh, and news flashes and different things. And I thought, well, that's an interesting technique. Uh, maybe I'll try that with this book I'm working on that has a little bit, bit of a historical component to it. And that's just one little example. I mean, these are just little techniques, but I learned about, you know, point of view, first person, second person, third person, close, you know, how to use it, how not to use it. Uh, characters and the importance of characters and the you know the five C's of writing uh, character and uh, you know you got uh, complications and 
got uh, conflict, conflict and climax right. and, and conclusion. You know, you, so you get and conflict is always. This is interesting because writers sometimes, and obviously from my show, sometimes we're talking. They we ask I ask them what, you, what they want to read. Sometimes they'll pick out, you know, read this probably forty or fifty pages into the book. And I just kind of tongue in cheek say, well, you know, which part of this book did you work the hardest on? And they go, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, the part that you were thinking about how to draw people into your story. And they go, well, I guess that'd be the beginning. I said, well, why don't we start there? There you go. It's <laughs> so, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those first couple of pages are important um, because they set the tone for the book. And, and I, I like to have an opening read that starts there with the author's um, and that kind of sets the framework for the for the later reads. And so the citing incidents are important, point of view is important. But I guess, you know, the one thing I, if you ask me the question, if I, if I had to be pinned down on, you know, one thing I learned is that uh, you really just have to commit the time and you got to be uh, committed to doing what needs to be done. Every author that appears on the show has written work uh, that is good work puts in the time and they don't just turn out a first draft and they come back and they work it and they work it and they work it. And I think that more than anything is, uh, is a good lesson to, to just remember that you got to keep at it. Well, that's for sure. And just like with podcasting and interviewing, you have to learn from every experience. And, you know, I think that we all aspire to get better as the more people that we interview. Um, you know, I, I certainly have my share of mistakes. <laughs> I want to erase like the first 500 interviews that I've ever done. Although there were some that were so blissfully good. I thought, I wonder how it turned out like that. If it if I just shut up and listened or was somebody saying magical or you just had that, uh, you know, that chemistry that comes across in a conversation. So who knows? Um, will you please tell everyone where they not only can find you on the web, but where they can find the Charlotte Readers podcast, now a part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network? Yeah, so we're on all the major podcast platforms, uh, you know, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, but our, our web base, is home base is Charlotte Readers Podcasts. Dot com And by the way, I, I wasn't grammatically correct. I didn't put apostrophe anywhere in there. It's just uh, Charlotte Readers uh, podcast. And somebody asked me one time, why didn't you call it the Charlotte Writers podcast or the Charlotte Authors podcast? I said, well, it's not for them. I mean, it is for them if they read, but it's really for readers and people who write, like to read. So it's charlottereaderspodcast.com. And if you go there, you can find out uh, all about the episodes. And we've got... Uh, all our social media links uh, there as well. And uh, thank you for asking about that. And your website, please. It's uh, it's Charlotte Readers Podcast. No, no, your personal one, your writer oh, my, one. My, my personal. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. a hard one to remember. It's landisway.com. Yes. There you go. Landis. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Finish what you were going to say. No, I was just going to say, you know, that one is one that I created. It's uh, it's going to be a work in progress this fall. I'm actually having a good time now. We're, we're putting together, uh, we're updating our uh, e-books with new back matter. I'm getting those out, and I'm actually in the process of 
having the three books uh, turned into audio books, which is a really fun process I'm going through right now. And I was really surprised at, at how that process works and how to get it done. And uh, if you're interested out there and you've got the rights to your book uh, or your publisher doesn't want to do the audio book and you can grab those rights, it's a fun process to go through. And there are a lot of actors right now that are out of work who want to audition to do your books. And I ended up with uh, with uh, an actor in uh, California who's reading mine. He's doing a great job with them, and uh, we're having fun with it. You know, I did a podcast once on audiobooks because I've never listened to one. I still have never listened to an audiobook. But it turns out there was a guy who lived in the next development over from mine in the next condo building over from mine who has done like thousands of books. <laughs> and we ended up <laughs> having him on and reading from some of the books that he's he's uh, narrated, oh. which was a really interesting thing. Yeah, it's a, a very, very small world. Um, like Kevin Bacon, I think we're all six degrees of separation. Landis yeah. Wade, I am thrilled that you came on the radio with me tonight. Thank you so much for being a guest on Authors on the Air. Welcome to the network, and everybody tune in to Charlotte Reader's podcast. Um, you can go find it on Facebook. You can go look on the web. Uh, Landis has his... Um, a lot of his shows, I think all the shows are probably up on Charlotte Reader's podcast, and a lot of other information that you'd be very interested in should you choose to become a Patreon of this page. Landis Wade, thank you for being with me. Pam, it's been such a pleasure, and I look forward to learning from the person who's done a lot more interviews than I've done. <laughs> oh, and I'm going to learn from you too, Landon. That's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. Listeners, thank you for being with me so much today. And thank you, Mom and Dad. Hey, I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.